Welcome to the Sales Mindset Podcast. I'm Dennis. I'm Sam. I'm Brian. All right. Let's pull a question. All right. So our question for today is, uh, what are some effective ways to handle customer complaints? This is... This is something I, I actually talk about more in marketing. I don't really talk about in the sales class, and but it's general customer service. So you are the service element of whatever the company happens to be doing. So you want to think from the customer's perspective. So uh, I teach uh, Raider, which I'm probably so I'm going to be thinking on my feet with this one. But the first is, what is your responsiveness to it, right? What uh, how do you respond to the initial complaining situation? So we're going on the assumption that it's a reasonable complaint because there are very many people out there who are unreasonable with their complaining and you generally want to fire those customers. So how are you going to respond and what is your responsive level going to be? Uh, the, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna just ditch the, the acronym, but another thing you have to do is you have to think with empathy. Not compassion necessarily, but with empathy. So you have to think from the customer's perspective mm-hmm. as to what is happening. So you know, if the customer is complaining about the product failing, for example, well, that may have cost the customer money. That may have cost the customer time. That may have cost the customer trust. Think about a you know, FedEx or UPS. And if they don't deliver the 24-hour delivery, so if you order something on Amazon, let's say like the camera, that this camera over here, I ordered that and it was expected for our second podcast recording session and it didn't arrive. Now, if I didn't have any cameras, that would have been a problem. It would have you know, shut down operation. Uh, we lose time on the project. So there's implications. And so who do I complain to? Was it a problem with UPS or you... Uh, I'm not throwing UPS on the ground. I actually forget who, who shipped it. Um, was it a problem with the logistics company or was it a problem with whoever sent it? And I don't know, but who am I going to complain to? And so, you know, I, if you're complaining to the person who you did the transaction with and it's, not, it's, it's out of their hands, they still have to say, I'm the one who chose this particular shipping company to send the product. Uh, there's an element of locus of control here where you want to come in as the hero. Even if it's not your fault, you want to try and do what you can to fix that particular problem. Uh, and, and you, again, coming at it from the perspective of whatever you know, the customer's perception happens to be on that particular customer complaint. Now, that being said, I want to address the types of customers that you sometimes need to think about firing. And those are the customers that are... They're complaining for the sake of complaining because they want to get some free crap out of you, uh, and they can be dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, oftentimes they're very price sensitive, so they're just going to try and use as much as possible when they, much of you as possible when they can. They want to get the biggest bang. I would price those out of my businesses. So, way back when, when I was still toying around with businesses in my twenties, you know, I did wedding photography. God, that was miserable. Uh, it's just, you know, even the best customers are still riding you. They expect their pictures faster than, than they can be delivered. Uh, probably my fault for not really managing those expectations. So mm-hmm. uh, right there, uh, knowing the less someone was willing to pay for a wedding package, 
the more they were going to bother me about this, that, or the other thing, I just kept raising my prices until I only dealt with customers that I wanted to deal with. I think another piece of this is how can you avoid customer complaints? Now, completely avoiding them, not possible. But a big piece of it is managing those customers' expectations on delivery times, on service expectations. You know that you can deliver a 10 on service, communicate at least a 9 or at most a 9 so that you have that wiggle room to come in as the hero uh, instead of the person who's just barely making it happen. Uh, and it's, it's, it's tricky, but it's something to understand. The other thing is to do just an audit whenever there is a complaint and see you know, where that happened. Was it an issue of the product not performing? It was an issue of the product being sold as being able to do X, but it can only do Y. Uh, you know, was there uh, an issue where the employees who were supposed to handle a complaint didn't handle it properly or handle the customer service didn't handle it properly? Uh, and was it a training issue or did they just not know that they were supposed to do something? So it's really understanding where the complaint is coming from and how many other people have complained about similar st stuff mm -hmm. so that you can really address it. The other thing is how... Um, I just went redundant on that one. Uh, but those are some of the things that, that off the top of my head that I would think of as you do... Oh, service design. You know, looking at every touch point that the customer has and checking to make sure that there's there's potential addressed. And the older the business, the more likely someone is, or more experienced the person running the business, the better chance that all of those service gaps are going to be anticipated and dealt with. If you look at Hilton uh, and you, you can Google it and you can find it, there's a temp, it's not a template, but it's a diagram of the customer journey at Hilton and where all of the potential points are for a service failure so that they can understand it and mitigate the possibility of, of that service failure causing a customer complaint. Makes sense, mapping it out so that way you're able to plan for it ahead of time. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, and uh, I like uh, what you're talking about, just really kind of understanding where the complaints are gonna come from, you know, is this one that we're dealing with throughout the company right now? Mm -hmm. And then that'll help you identify those uh, customers that my, you might be looking towards, like, obviously you're going to know if they're someone who complains a lot, mm -hmm. but if you're going to be looking towards, like, yeah, you might actually be costing me more than it is you're actually bringing in for mm -hmm. me, so I my time would be better suited elsewhere, but, you know, if you can deal with that customer's complaints and get them back on track and happy with you, and also uh, rolling out the red carpet to say to be a hero, mm -hmm. like you said, um, uh, and you know, you, you're not going to get the money for that sale, but you're going to get back all that trust that you might have lost because, you know, right. then they're going to know, okay, I can still trust this company even if something does go wrong. Mm -hmm. they, they've got my back. They're going to take care of it. And, you know, the best companies in the world that have that trust, they don't have perfect, you know, they, they, have, they have problems all the time, but they deal with those problems and, you know, either give their money or give the customer their money back. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, do something to, you know, keep that trust. If they didn't, they wouldn't be one of the best companies in the world. Yeah. There's an argument for also empowering your employees so that they can instantly 
respond to service problems as opposed to having to say, let me go get my manager. And and Mm -hmm. it sounds like we're talking retail, but that can be all over. If you're designing a sales force uh, and your salespeople are constantly having to go back to a manager to get to get remediation or, or your customer service has an issue with that, you know, that causes delays that that lowers the perception of your empathy because it's not just empathy for how, what the service failure has caused the customer, but empathy towards the fact that now they have to deal with that service failure, deal with you. They don't want to be calling you. Mm-hmm. They want to just be moving on with their life. And now they have to do that. So the longer they're on hold with you while you're going back and forth, instead of just saying, it's taken care of, thank you, uh, yeah. that, that, can, that can add to the tension and the problems. Yeah, that's actually really important. Because then, I mean, you know, they might just want to completely cut off that relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, if, they, if they're expecting, okay, uh, something else is going to go wrong, I'm going to have to deal with this person for another half hour or an hour. If something does go wrong, I'm just going to find someone who can do that better. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you can cut that down to five, ten minutes, you know, they don't even don't even look at it like that. That's just okay. Yeah, uh, I can deal with that. So, in your advertising days, how many complaints did you have to deal with? Not too many, but mm-hmm. the ones that came in, especially at the beginning, were mainly reasonable. And I think part of what it comes down to is how complex we made the process unnecessarily. So you kind of touched on it a little bit, but. One of the best ways to deal with customer complaints is to minimize the amount of customer complaints. And the best way to do it is like the total quality management of your process or the operations. Like understand every step of the process and see where the potential weak points are. And then also, as a secondary note, make it as simple as possible given the, what do you call it, restrictions of your industry or of the things that you're doing. Yeah. Where I remember when. We, were, we first started the advertising agency, we worked on social media, and we had people who did design, and people who did social media posts, people who did copy, like they would write posts, and eventually we determined that everybody had to have a certain amount of copywriting knowledge and experience, because what, what, the way it began like when I first joined and was a part of the organization was somebody who ran the account would come up with ideas for posts and they'd have like little like slugs that they'd put on the calendar for Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then the designers or photographers would look at the calendar and see like, okay, for this account, I need to get a photo that goes with this concept. And they put the photo and then a copywriter would write a caption and then the account owner would post it. And that is way too many hands on one social media post. Mm-hmm. It led to the person putting up the post and the photographer, you know, the creative director says, hey, why is the photo not there? You're like, oh, I didn't even know it was there. I didn't see it on the calendar. Or the copywriter would say the same thing. Or I'm not really sure what to write for that post. Like, I don't really understand what you're doing. Because mm-hmm. you change, it's almost playing a game of telephone where you lose the value of it throughout it. And this yeah. is like a specific, more complicated example. But trying to limit the amount of needed hands or the amount of needed processes on a given activity will simplify the process and you'll be way less likely to run into issues. Eventually just came down to the account owner would design the post from beginning to end and then go to the photographer, the designer personally, and say, hey, for Monday, Wednesday, Friday, these are the posts I had in mind. I want to have this type of feel for it. Can you get me these deliverable graphics or photos? And they would write the post themselves. Mm -hmm. And at that point, only like one and a half people are touching every post as opposed to the three, four that were before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And speeds everything up as well. 
So customers can be a little tricky, but it's it, it's more about being proactive as opposed to reactive when it comes to those customer complaints, but then think about how you can design a good service recovery. If you're just a salesperson and you're just dealing with this, you know, looking at what your service recovery options are, yeah. still proactively so that you're not surprised with how you might have to handle a particular situation, I think is going to be important for your growth and your dependability as a salesperson. Sure. All right. Well, great topic. Great quick uh, discussion on service recovery. Look forward to seeing you in the next one. Take care.